Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Hey, thank you so all for being patient with us. We were pushing a few buttons, making sure we got everything rolling here because we have a very important show for you today. And needless to say, Benny, we're not going to go to that first break. All right. Thank you, Benny. Um, what happens when you realize how perfect everything is? What happens when that, when you realize that? And what I say, what I'm saying to you is I know that there have been points in time in your life while that might be a fleeting thought. I think you've had one at certain points in time in your life. I personally believe everybody has one of these, but what happens when you're looking at that and you're having a conversation with somebody that is so near and dear to you. And most of you have heard me talk about my Italian grandmama and my conversations with her and what happens in those moments and how very special it is and how those moments stay with you. But what happens if you are Bernie and Charlie Siegel? What happens if you are grandfather and grandson? Well, I'll tell you what happens. You write a book and you touch upon some very personal, profound, and important messages for our time. And one of the things I love about doing this now, my 16th year is, and this is unlike other conversations I've had with Dr. Bernie Siegel. You know, this is a conversation that's meant for the day and the times that we're living in right now, because it talks beyond conversations of just texting somebody that you love. It goes beyond those things that we think we know about, but perhaps we do, or perhaps we don't. Maybe we forget. But today, it's about connecting a message that is so powerful and also so fun. So I'm really thrilled to have Charlie and Bernie Siegel here today. Welcome to the show, both of you. It's great to have you both here. Thank you, dear. Thanks for uh, having us. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, uh, I have recently been talking about my relationship with my, my grandparents and you know, I didn't quite get to take the journey of where I am, you know, in this physical world with them, but they're always with me. You know, you both are coming to the forefront because what you've done is you're sharing this conversation of love that goes across multiple generations and what it means to go beyond the obstacles and the challenges of life. But we still get them. And I want to start out with you, Charlie, about this, because I was just thinking, what was it like for you to have your grandfather be Dr. Bernie Siegel? And I had that very lovingly thought, but it comes with a path of your development 
that only you can share personally? What was it like? I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's great <laughs> to be able to, to share in this together and, and to, to write a book together. You know, his, his, um, his work is amazing and has touched so many and uh, to have him support my work and, and see uh, what he sees and, and what I do uh, means a lot to get to share in this. Um, I talk, I talk a lot about the kind of the messages in my work and stuff come a lot of times from, from my mom's teaching and from my mom's side and then seeing uh, my, my grandpa Bernie be reaching so many with, with such a healing message that's, you know, I have it on both sides that way. And, um, and to, to get to share in this together is awesome. Uh, I love it. Bernie, you know, one of the things I had to laugh about, and I'm still laughing about it, is the book opens up with a quote, an anonymous quote, and it says, when you realize how perfect everything is, you will tilt your head back and laugh and laugh at the sky. And I can't help doing that, right? I mean, I knew I was getting ready for this interview, but I couldn't help think about that and think about what that meant to me, but also laugh about it. You know, it's an interesting quote. What makes you laugh about that when you think about the realization of how, how perfect everything is? Well, you know, life, it's an experience. It's a gift to all of us. And, uh, you know, what we do with it is a whole other story. Because I think, like you talked about your grandmother, my grandmother saved my life. Uh, it's a long story about how sick my mother was and wasn't supposed to have children. And by the time they dragged me out of her because she couldn't survive a cesarean section, she said they handed me a purple melon, not a child. So we put you in, you know, blankets and then in a carriage, covered the carriage and put you behind the house so nobody would get upset. And as a physician, I didn't learn this till I was an adult. Because I always say there are no pictures in the album to verify it. You know what I mean? They're just pictures of a covered carriage. And I said to my mother, how the hell did I survive as an infant? Nobody's touched me. Oh, my grandmother took, my mother took you, poured oil all over you and pushed everything back where it belonged four or five times a day. So I realized I must have felt like the most loved kid on the planet because I'm getting massaged. And that... Over 50 years later, when a woman massaged my shaved head, I became that infant again, opened my eyes, and the room was filled with people. The quote, you know, why are you all here? Oh, we thought you had a heart attack or a stroke. We couldn't communicate with you. I said, yeah, I became an infant. I couldn't communicate, but it was a bliss for me. And so I'd say again, why they're called grandparents is they know how to take care of the kids. And she saved my life and I'm sure was an enormous part of who I was and what I was and feeling loved and, you know, being comfortable with myself uh, and who I, who I was. You know, it wasn't that I had to be somebody or do something. Uh, I was loved. And uh, that's what created my life. And, uh, you know, my parents also joined in uh, later and uh, pictures began to show up in the album like three or four months later from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> I found all these things. And, um, you know, once I understood myself and who I was, it was a hell of a lot easier to live. But I think we're here... Um, here is something on my desk that I see every day from 
Leo Rostin, I cannot believe that the purpose of life is to be happy. I think the purpose of life is to be useful, to be responsible, to be compassionate. It is above all to matter, to count, to stand for something, to have made some difference that you lived at all. That's Leo Rostin. And I think Charlie lives like that. And that's what connected us. Because as I was putting together a book with some spiritual stuff, it's called, and it just came out, um, No Endings, Only Beginnings. It's a lot of you know, chapters of things that I've lived and felt. And, but talking to him was like talking in a sense to myself in terms of our interests, uh, what, what was within us. And I felt amazed that at his age, I'm, you know, it's like talking to your twin brother, let's put it that way. Yeah. And how many years it took me and how much pain it took me to write the poems and become the person I am, uh, trying to understand why did God make a world like this? You see, like that Leo Rostin, that sounds wonderful, but why is a kid born with congenitive defects? Why do people get cancer? I mean, how the hell do I fit that into being useful? Um, and uh, I think part of my becoming a surgeon was I wanted to help people and try to fix things. And then the shock was you can't fix everything. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, even today, the patients I remember are the ones who had all kinds of problems that I couldn't fix. They are in my mind. Yeah. The ones who had wonderful results, thank me for everything. I can't remember them. But you know, what stays in your heart is again, how do you question creation? Who the hell did this? Why do we have all these troubles? And I'm always saying that I finally realized with time that if the world were perfect, we wouldn't have your show. We wouldn't be visiting. We wouldn't need anything. <laughs> yeah. And it's again, back to what that quote, you know, it's, we're here to be useful. We're here to put on the show to make it meaningful. Uh, it's not just automatic. Yeah. And you know, to have the right Lord. That's another thing that who are you working for? See, who are you being useful for? And you got to have faith in the right person. And that was something I struggled with to learn from Abraham, Jesus. How the hell could they agree with God and let all these things that they were asked to do happen. Um, Cause I, I can tell you early in my life, I would have argued uh, with God about what he's deciding to do um, and uh, give him other alternatives showing I didn't have faith. You know, yeah. he asked me to do something and I'd say, hey, I got another solution for this. You know, <laughs> why kill my kid? Why crucify, you know, uh, let's work something else out. But I've gotten past that point and I understand now. You know, I love that you're talking about that because I've recently started to talk about that, Charlie, too. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think is so important about this book and about what you both bring mm -hmm. is I'm having moments where I think my life is surreal. You know, certainly, you know, Charlie, Dr. Bernie Siegel you know, we know in the world, there's not many people 
in the shows I've done in 16 years that don't understand what that name has come to mean. But for me, and Charlie, this is for you, my evolution over 16 years was not just to understand what the body of work that Bernie Siegel has done has come to mean, but what is that body of work going to help me do to bring more love, more purpose in the world? It's one thing to say, oh, damn, I wish I would have interviewed Bernie on that or we couldn't. No, but what is it that has changed me inside? Because Bernie, I'm like you. I went most of my life thinking, why did my mom kill herself? You know, what was that about? Why did I cry for four years? And I had like you, my, my mom was an alcoholic and an addict and I was popped into this world with that. But Italian family, Zambuca, you just throw it on their gums and it quiets everybody down. Grandma taught me how to make the perfect meatball. So Charlie, <laughs> no kidding, secret recipe. It's all in the cheese. It's, I'm telling you, it's all in the cheese you pick. But for you, Charlie, what have been the profound insights, especially writing this book together? I mean, clearly when people read this book, they're gonna get what we're talking about today. But what was it about this, this relationship you're cultivating with you know, your grandfather that is going to always be in you in this life and beyond? What is it about this that has touch, touched you so deeply? And I'm not saying you're done yet with your mm -hmm. life and maturing and growing up and developing. You're, you're like not done, but you're probably like five, 10 different souls. But what <laughs> is it though? Because you're uh, so a it's, guy. Yeah, it, it's pretty remarkable that, so we, we wrote the poetry that's in the book separately, like as our own body of work and our own situations. A lot of his poetry uh, was from journals he was writing through like the 80s and 90s. Um, a lot of my poetry goes back to like 2013 or so I started writing um, up, up to present as for what's in the book um, with the intention that I wanted to get to share different spiritual lessons I've got to learn along the way um, that I feel like I've been blessed with. Some, some of the stuff um, is things like different inspirations from experiences in life, um, but a lot of my stuff is like uh, metaphoric kind of things and giving people a different perspective. So I had written a bunch of different poems. And as he said, he was working on his other book and asked me for some things that uh, he, he might be able to print in it and have a discussion. So I sent him mine, he sent me his. Looking over our poetry we had written separately, it was amazing. Like there's one in our, our the chapter, Nature, Our Teacher, in our book that he wrote a poem called Trees. I wrote a poem called My Brother Trees. It's so similar. We've written on like footprints and, and what that can represent. We've We've written on how nature teaches us and, and on destiny. And there's seven different sections that go through our book. It's an evolving chapter about life, including chapters on, on inner light, on God and relationships. Um, but we looked over our work and it was like we were having this kind of conversation, you know, years apart and different experiences and like a subconscious conversation between us. So it was really like, let's line these up in the conversation that they are. and. And, and the book came out of it. So uh, we, we both write in, in wanting to help people, to, to uplift them, to help them find a, a positive outlook on things and, and connect with themselves more. And then we see, you know, we're both sharing in this work. Let's let's share in it and have, have a project together. So it means a lot to get to, to do that. 
and the, the, I hope you both will read for, read some of these today on the show because it's hard for me to explain how powerful these are. You know, um, as I went through them and I was looking, I was reflecting. And there's one Bernie that you did uh, that it literally reminded me of an event in my life that I don't think about that often. But as I was reading it, I just started to cry. And, 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 you know, I thought about literally how God took the wheel one day uh, in, in an incident in my life where I did something quite careless in pulling off on the highway in the coast of California. And I left my best friend, Linda, who booked this show in the car and, you know, just had to stop, had to see it, got out of the car, didn't put the car in park on a cliff with no barrier. And I mean, when I read this, when I read this, I literally started to cry because you have moments in life where you realize that you are not at the driver's wheel. It is not you because the way that we were able I mean, I turned around right at the right moment. Well, who did that? Was that really me, Bernie? No, that wasn't me. I didn't turn around right at the right moment all by myself. But I was guided to turn around to see the car start to move towards the end of the cliff with my best friend since 1972 in it. I left the car door open. Thank you, God, for that. I ran. I jumped in the car. Now, here you are. You don't think about these things because she was clearly going to drop off of a very large cliff, jump in the car, hit the brakes just in time. So when I'm reading this poem, I made the wrong turn on the parkway. I made the wrong turn on the parkway. There was no sign or symptom to guide me. And I didn't ask for directions. I had to reverse myself. It was hard, but I did. I took a deep breath. Let God take the wheel and everything went in the right direction. And that's the beginning of it. And I want to ask you, Bernie, about that. And then, Charlie, I want to talk with you because we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back. I, I, God, I'm having a hard time not crying right now. I only read the first part of that, Bernie. Right. It does go on. I can read the end. Please. It says, let God take the wheel. And everything went in the right direction. God has had her driver's license longer than I have. I didn't think I missed anything. But who knows what the good Lord wanted me to miss that I am better off not running into. I guess I took the right turn and learned how to turn things around. Thank God. Yeah. I'll tell you, when I read that, I could feel it, you in that. Yeah, well, I've learned that there are no coincidences, is the way I put it now, um, that we are creating our future by all the decisions we make every day. So it's not a coincidence. And... Um, you know, if you're creating your future, again, it's not blaming somebody, but you're making decisions every day. Which road do I take? Which turn? Uh, I had to laugh because one day I was coming to, you know, driving to a lecture 
and I got lost. And as I pulled down the street, the car is in front of me that uh, said, I'm lost on the license plate. <laughs> so I drove over to them and I said, I'm lost. And he gave me directions. But to have a license plate, like I'm lost. Another time when I was lost, I told this fellow where I was going, another car driver, he said, I have no idea where that street is, but I can direct you to the police station. The police station was on the street I was looking for. <laughs> and again, it's like, how did that happen? Um, and I don't think, again, as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross always used to say this to me, yeah. um, there are no coincidences. Right. And yeah, that's why I love opening the book while we're on a program. And it's just like, boom, this is something Charlie wrote. It's only four lines. Where are you, said the caterpillar. Right here, said the butterfly inside of him. Where am I, said I. Right here, said my soul from inside my heart. You know, and see, that's what impresses the hell out of me about Charlie at his age. Where does that come from? So he's got somebody living in him that in another life probably was a very special soul uh, and it's still coming forth in Charlie. Because I say but, it in the same way that when you see a five-year-old on television playing a violin, you say, how the hell did they manage to do that? It's the soul that's in them, you know, from a past life. And I say, so whether it's me, you or Charlie, we have those souls in us that direct us in this life, you know, making choices. And when I say direct, I don't mean it's conscious, but we're making choices and they're coming from a past experience. Yeah, I, you're right about this, Charlie. There is something I think you wrote and I wanna to talk to you about it if we could, because yeah. I was reading it and I just thought, I know, look, I know in the book publishing and writing arena, a book doesn't get written the day before you do the interview. That's mm -hmm. like not how that works, right? But what you, what you both have, have written in here is really important for the time we're living in. And I think you wrote, didn't Charlie, it was you that wrote, I made a note of this. It was, was it you that wrote The Girl Who Could Paint the Sky? Yep. You yeah. wrote that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I'm reading this again. I'm having a crying moment. Sorry, uh, but I grew up in New York, and I know what it's like to live in a projects. But my escape from the cockroaches, right, was because I couldn't. I didn't want to sleep, and as I bounced from relative to relative, I had to go to Aunt Mary, nicknamed Mrs. Meanie. I apologize for that, by the way. Um, later on in life, <laughs> but I called her Mrs. Meanie for a good reason. Um, but I couldn't sleep in our house in the bedroom because of cockroaches. Mm -hmm. So I would wow. sleep on the fire escape. Wow. And I'm reading this. And again, I had this moment of a message for our time. Now you said you write metaphorically. That mm -hmm. might be true. But you write to me in a way that transcends the physical, the spiritual, and my field totally transcends the psychological perspective. Because if we don't have faith and works together to help change this world, 
then we are going to stay in our bubble and be gone. But that message, can you talk to that? Because I'm thinking, what kind of, who wrote this? <laughs> who is this genius? I mean, what century did that come from? Tell us about that. And perhaps you might read it for us, if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. put you both on a spot. No, like I, yeah, I'm glad to read some from it. Um, I'm just going to turn to it now. Okay. Yeah, so um, when I wrote that, it's um, so some of my work is like, uh, so I talk about some of the, the messages in my work is that I, I grew up a lot of spending a lot of time in my mom's store and class center, Wisdom of the Ages in Connecticut. She started that when I was three and I was homeschooled. So I did a lot of my schoolwork in the back of the store, hearing her you know, teach meditation, teach spiritual classes, help people with what they're going through and that I now help run the store alongside her. So that's, it's become like everyday life kind of thing to, to think about that spirituality and focus on, on how to help people and help ourselves. And my, my writing and my photography that illustrates our book and I have a, a business with that has become like my own facet of the same kind of spiritual practice. But, you know, like following your heart and doing what's, what you feel you're, what you feel right about doing in life it can be a more difficult path sometimes to make things work and and to have it all come together like i worked as a waiter for a few years to like pay the car bill while i'm working on my photography business and um and like i have some close people that support my my work and and this like the starting process of it back when i was starting it um but then there's a lot of those people that say like you can't make money as an author and a photographer or like don't do that go go do this um so I wrote uh, The Girl Who Could Paint the Sky, which it's a short story and printed in our book here is an excerpt from it, um, probably about three quarters of, of it. And it talks about that idea that when you have something in your heart that says like, this is what I'm meant to do, this is the, and it's something that's gonna help people and, and make a positive difference. And you have people that say not to. Um, it's like, what do you do with that? And how do you work through it? How do you listen to that? Um, and this, this story came out of it. Uh, the imagery of it also was um, I got to photograph in Iceland twice studying photography and doing it in the field and some of my work illustrates our this is our book here illustrates it um, and th there was one night of this incredible sunset um, and we had a an arching rainbow that connected down on onto the ground on both ends with the sunset on the other side and some of that imagery was um, inspired in the story also yeah, I can read that it's in our destiny chapter in our book. Wow. She, she was the girl who could paint the sky. Her heart told her so. But the other townsfolk, they said she could not. They said that they could not, so neither could she. But her heart told her to try. But try as she did, their words kept the sky a soft pale gray. With their words in the way, her work could not be done. So she went atop the mountain to hear what the sky would say. With her back to the wind and her voice to the clouds, she found that her spirit had the strength to soar high while walking upon the ground. So she let their words blow off like the clouds in a tempest storm. She let them be turned to love to return to the people with the colors of the evening light. Their doubts and hers too transitioned to hope at the touch of her fingertips. Mm. I want to just let everybody know uh, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back. Can you tell folks, first of all, how they can find out about each of you, Charlie, and, and then how they can get a copy of, of the book, give people the information they need to, to have for this. And yep. when we come back, we're gonna be talking about 
the imagery that's included in the book and the power of bringing messages together, multi-generational messages together to present a powerful, much needed message of love. How do people find out about this in the book, Charlie? So our book is uh, When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is, and it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and pretty much anywhere you could get a book. Uh, but it's also available through my mom's story. You can get it right from me and get autographed copies that way. It's uh, wisdomoftheages.biz, B-I-Z. And then my grandfather has bernysegalmd.com and that, that both of those two websites are linked and you can read a lot of articles he's written and stuff too. And when we come back, I'm gonna ask each of you to pick something to read that represents the importance of where we are in this day and age and the message for all time. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you tired of being bloated and nauseous? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know eating unhealthy foods eventually leads to an unhealthy digestive system? Did you know eating the most healthy, nutritious food doesn't necessarily result in a healthy body? The stomach must be healthy in order to properly digest, metabolize, and utilize even the best of nutrition. Without proper digestion from the stomach through the intestinal tract, the nutritious value is not absorbed and the improperly digested food can be more toxic to your body than helpful. You can be doing all the right things and getting all the wrong results. In fact, other organs may also be interfering with your stomach's ability to digest. Contact us today for your appointment at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. Or visit us at maryjanemack.com. What we've been taught and told is not all there is. Life is all about energy, and the energy you feel is real. Tune into The Energy Paradigm each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com with Dr. Vic. The Energy Paradigm is an eye-opening, mind-shifting, transformative, and earth-shattering way to live, work, and do business that will enable you to unlock your magic every day. Visit TheEnergyParadigm.com. It's time to shake out your money-making truth on Soul Wisdom Abundance with Jennifer Bloom, creating wealth from spiritual health on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show is more than your roadmap to success. It's your compass to abundance through joy and ease. Jennifer Bloom teaches you about the soul's relationship to money and wealth and how improving that relationship serves both you and the world. Learn more at JenniferBloom.com. Hi, this is Kimberly Carlson, and I would love for you to tune into All In Healing Radio, where together we will begin to experience health, happiness, and harmony in all areas and aspects of life. Join us every first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. on TransformationTalkRadio.com. All In Healing will help you release layers of negative beliefs and energies for radiant health, deep joy, and greater abundance. Visit me at KimberlyCarlson.com. Step into your highest potential and tune into Embodying Your Higher Self. Tools for Conscious Living with Michelle Champaka. You can listen on TransformationTalkRadio.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Michelle is an energy healer, intuitive, and shamanic practitioner dedicated to helping you heal and transform your life. For more information about sessions, coaching, and upcoming workshops and retreats, visit SpiritWeaverJourneys.com. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Look, when you realize how perfect everything is, this is a conversation between 
about life between grandfather and grandson, um, Bernie Siegel, Dr. Bernie Siegel and Charlie Siegel. And they're both here with us today. And I'm thrilled and I'm also honored to have them both here to actually share with you from the book, because the book, you know, as it's described by a lot of people, it's a book and includes poetry messages, but they're powerful. They're much more than that. You know, they represent the connection, the love, um, the challenges that have been overcome between grandson and grandfather. They really address what each of us probably doesn't know how to express in ourselves in the day and age we live in. And that's coupled by the beauty of photography. Uh, thank you both again. Charlie, would you mind mentioning again, because sometimes we just zip by and I forget to ask. I want people to know how they can get their copy and also to know more about you both. Yeah, so um, I'll pull it up again. When you realize how perfect everything is, it's available now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, or you can check out the website for my mom's store, wisdomoftheages.biz, B-I-Z. Um, there's a page on there. It says um, Charlie Siegel, author and photography by SC is my photography company. Um, that talks about some of the photography in the book and, and um and there's a page that has my grandfather's items listed also. Uh, you can email us to get an autographed one, um, or you can pick up the book anywhere also. Uh, and my grandfather has BernieSiegelMD.com too. Mm. Thank you. I want to ask each of you, um, I know the journey in writing a book like this is a story in itself. But as you look back, you know, is there one one contribution in the book or another that really calls you to share today for the time we live in. Um, you know, Bernie, how about you? Charlie, how about well, you? Is there something I in the book you can read you share? something I had opened to because I get yeah. a kick out of it. Yeah. <clears throat> I am asked to be prepared for eternity. How do I prepare? Where will I spend it? Find questions for philosophers. I don't have that problem. Eternity troubles me not at all. I am having trouble with today. If I can master today, eternity will take care of itself. Eternity, from what I know of it, can't be as much trouble as today. When eternity comes, I'll take it one day at a time. And again, I can't tell you where that came from, but it's the real answer, you know, one day at a time. Um, you know, when you start predicting your future, you're making a mess out of your life. And as I say, that's what I learned to do, not picture it because then I'm creating it. That's something I realized as a surgeon. In other words, if you picture your operation as horrible, terrible response to your treatment, your body believes it. So I learned that my mind, my soul, they're in charge of my life and that what I believe my body believes because that's what it's told all the time and that there are no coincidences and no accidents and that what we call miracles or spontaneous remissions are self-induced. You know, your body gets a message of love and it responds and literally diseases disappeared. That's why I began to run group support groups to teach people what those who didn't die when they were supposed to were doing. Right. You know, I studied success, not failure. And I learned how important 
the words of your mother, your doctor, uh, you know, if they were saying things to you and you believe them, they could save your life or destroy it. And uh, that's why on my website is an article entitled Deceiving People Into Health. Because yeah. I learned that by doing a lot of children's surgery, that the kids believed me and their parents. So we lied to them. Now you say, what do you mean you lied to them? For their benefit. They always say the simplest one was taking an alcohol sponge saying, oh, they made new ones. Now it'll numb your skin besides cleaning it. And the kids would look at me, why don't the other doctors do that? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, because it was incredible. 80% of them would feel no pain at all, just in that crazy comment. About 20% would say, I felt it, you know, oh, bad sponge, you know, and, <laughs> and again, they had more faith in me and their parents uh, because we were using our words to heal them. And again, we all need to learn what I call survival behavior. And I have to say that psychiatrists know more about it than doctors, you know, than family doctors and oncologists and so forth because the psychiatrist is seeing somebody with all kinds of emotional problems, dealing with life-threatening illness, and they notice that there are personality qualities to survivors. And the doctors, you know, would say, oh, you had a good response to treatment. They, they aren't aware of what went on in the person's life. They're just looking at, here's your pill, here's your injection, um, and not about what the person did to help them. No and it's kidding. all about, you know, you talk about eternity, we're talking about your life. Your childhood is stored in your body. I mean, let me just, one quick example. Sure. That I always said to people, how would you describe your illness? What are you going through? And anybody listening to this, if you got a problem in your life, what word do you use to describe it? <clears throat> then when they came up with the word, I'd say, how does that fit your life? Not, I'm not interested in how it fits your illness. How does it fit your life? So a woman who said failure and meant my body failed me, I have cancer, said, oh, my parents committed suicide when I was a child. I must have been a failure as a child. Mm. She was living her whole life as this failure. Wow. And, you know, I've met people whose parents committed suicide, alcoholics, drug addicts, told their children to commit suicide, and then, you know, one of the children would walk in mad as hell at life and the world. And I learned that if I could reparent them, become their chosen dad, as one kid said, um, I saved their lives. You know, I made them feel somebody cared. I'm worth something. And well, I'll give you a quote from a lady. I asked her to have a picture of herself as a child so I could show her she's were, you know, beautiful and meaningful. She said, my parents never took a picture. I can't give you any. But she said, when I let love into my prison, it changed every negative item in it, meaning the experiences in my life and mm -hmm. turned them into something meaningful. And boy, did she outlive every expectation uh, with an autoimmune disease um, and lived for decades. You know, when doctors are predicting a few years and you'll be dead. Right. But she drove them crazy 
because she didn't die. <laughs> and they had to try to figure out what do we do to help her, <laughs> you know, because she isn't dying. Yeah. Right. Right. But that is so powerful to share um, because there's something about that, that, uh, you know, it's funny. I too learned that because my friends didn't realize, didn't understand why I wasn't talking about my illness when I went through it. And, you know, I had my own reasons for that. But more importantly, I didn't think I'd be able to get through it and heal if I was taking on everybody's feelings of it. And now looking back, I know that that's true. I know that that's true now. But more importantly, it was the journey that I went on to have to change in that way. Something right. you talked about earlier about faith and belief and possibilities. And, you know, Charlie, one of the things I wanted to ask you, I, I don't know if you've picked one of these out. If you haven't, there's one of yours that also called to me. Did you pick one of yours out? I did, but it's a short one. Maybe we can do both. Okay, um, you do yeah, yours you... first, and then I'm going to ask you to do mine. <laughs> okay. Um, looking at, at one you would ask for something that would fit what we're going through right now, I wanted to read one of mine um, called When Peace Becomes You. Um, and this is interesting that it's one that I, I got up one morning, and these this poem was in my head and I was going to like, Oh, I'll go get ready. And then I'll write it down. I was like, Oh, I should write this down now while I still have it. Um, and it just kind of flowed out. Um, it says, and it is when the peace overwhelms you and you step into the peace and you become one with the peace that you realize the peace is a part of your soul, part of your intellect, that then you can become a conveyor of the peace and you can allow it to spread free upon the land for all to be at peace and all is all right. So if we look at that, like there's this great peace that that is within us and surrounds us and it, it takes connecting to it and finding it and, and realizing you're a part of it um, to to recognize what a part of it you are and uh, and be able to spread it and share it with people. Um, but like that peace is out there and, and inside you. So it's the, to people to take the time to, to settle and connect with that it can make all the difference. I have to squeeze something in about sure. peace. We have five children. The kitchen was a disaster area. I came in, I said at the top of my voice, you may choose peace or you may choose conflict. Two of the twins that we had have a hearing impairment. And our daughter answered, I'll have a pizza. And so <laughs> the whole family busted out laughing and the argument was finished, you know? <laughs> and that's again, what love, laughter, all these things that we're trying to help bring into people's lives and, and to heal those wounds, yeah. And I, I think that's it. Laughter is such a part of it. Yeah. Um, so the, there are two that I found that just hit me again. One was, uh, I think it's called open-ended road, but the other one that hit me was finding God. Mm. Um, and finding God hit me because, you know, addiction and recovery was part of my family's journey. I'm actually the only one still alive to actually talk about it. Yeah. Um, two sisters put him in the ground a couple of years ago. I told you about my mom's suicide. My sister died on a hospital floor in Yonkers. Um, and so finding God, right? I remember being in my recovery program and 
I said something to my sponsor like, you know, I'm never going to find God. And his answer to me was, oh, guess what? Newsflash, God's not lost. Um, but this particular poem, Charlie, I think you wrote this, right? Finding God. Did you write that? Yeah, that's one of mine. Would you mind sharing that? And then sure. I just love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, so the last chapter of our book is, is Hello, God. Um, that our, we made it like our conversation, that the way we align them evolves from more of a personal life perspective into more of a like a grander spirituality perspective. So yep. uh, this poem opens that last chapter. And I heard them say that God is everywhere, but I was unsure of how to see him. So I asked them where exactly I could find him, and they pointed to my heart, and I knew that that was my place to start. Yeah. 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 And I got to tell you that I'm not sure how that comes to each person. Mm. I, I, I know how it was a process to come to me. And I don't know that I don't know that the definition that we have, like in the Webster of surrender, I just don't think that definition describes what that really means. Um, I want to ask you, Charlie, thank you for that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And certainly everything in this particular part of the, the book is profound. I mean, including, you know, uh, Bernie, what you wrote from a distance. But Bernie, I want to ask you about this because I have a sense that your evolution in, in uh, like they say, knowing God is quite similar to mine. But this was a very important part of the book. What did it mean for you, Bernie? About God, you mean? Yeah. Well, it, it started way back when, when I questioned God. It's hard for me to have faith in a God that makes a world that has all these troubles. Yeah. And I, I realized, as I said, when God said to me, Bernie, a perfect world is not creation. It's a magic trick that you're here to live and learn. So God talks to me a lot. <clears throat> and yeah, and the message, uh, God is always talking in parables, drives me crazy. One day I said, I can't understand what's going on. Bernie said, uh, he said, Bernie, you're a satellite dish, a remote control and a television screen. I said, excuse me, what are you talking about? He said, that's what you are. That's your life. I said, what? He said, look, satellite dish has many options. So do you. I gave you a remote control to pick a channel. I gave your brain to decide on what channel you're tuning to. And I gave you a body to display it like a television screen. And I realized who my Lord is, is what my whole life is about. If it's money, what am I going to act like? You know, if it's faith, if it's here to accomplish something, I always say, I try to be God's right arm. You know, I'd like to do things. So when I pray and talk to God in the morning, when I'm out in nature, I let God know, hey, I'm here to do what you want. You know, every once in a while, I may ask for help, but hey, you know, I got my aches and pains too. So if you can, but I know God is there as a resource. I know that I have the ability to do what I need to do. You know, I don't need a miracle, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, and that belief and that faith make an enormous difference. I mean, this is sort of an aside, but when they run tests, taking Lourdes Holy Water and label it Brooklyn, New York, 
and label Brooklyn, New York, Lourdes Holy Water, more people respond to the label, you see. So it's our attitude, our mind, our faith have so much to do with our whole life and literally the chemistry in our body. I was criticized so much 34 years ago when we wrote these poems, uh, everybody was talking about the controversial Dr. Siegel. I mean, the good part and exciting part was I was on every famous talk show so yeah. people could yell at me, you know, yeah. and criticize me. That's but I'll right. tell you, I was impressed with Phil Donahue. Let me get just one moment on that. We came with three men, three women with cancer, and I expected I'll go up on the stage. He said, no, Bernie, you sit in the audience. I'm putting the women up there. Oh, I love right. it. Exactly. Knew, they were my teachers, see, dealing with life and pain and not cursing God and saying, why did you do this to me? Why did you? Yeah, they were healing and mm -hmm. teaching. And um, that's what we all have to learn. Yeah. Instead of cursing what happens, say, what am I to learn from this? Oh, there's no question about it. I hope I you covered back. in. I in, in drawings I did, you know, Charlie takes photographs, I do paintings, portraits. Yes. But in drawings I did, I used white on a white piece of paper. When I painted myself, I painted myself in a cap, mask and gown, so you don't even know it's me. And Elizabeth was the first one who said to me, what are you covering up? And I said, why are you asking? And then she said all these things I did, uh, when if you got a white piece of paper, what do you need a white crayon for? You know.